So, we have been talking about all sorts of things within the Bible. We've been talking about science and some history and some natural history, They would you would call it. More like biology. <laughs> that type of thing, yes. He's a part of the natural history, I guess, of the world. Um, a whole bunch of different things, and we're going to wrap it up today. Um, we've had a point behind all of this, and we've alluded to the point here and there, but I first want to talk about blacksmithing. When I first started to blacksmith, I was probably about 15, maybe, and I was with the youth group on a trip that we took once, one time. We went to a little fair, and it was kind of an old-fashioned fair. And I saw a guy have a little forge, and he heated up metal, and he made some shepherd's hooks, and he did a few other things like that. I watched him do that and said, I'm going to do that. So I went home, and I pulled out a rock, a big, heavy rock, and got borrowed a hammer, a great big hammer that I had, uh, and I cut a bunch of very little chunks of wood, chopped them up, they were about this long, I chopped them into little tiny pieces, and piled it up and started a fire in my dad's outdoor stone grill. And he had an old furnace blower, so I wired up a furnace blower and put it into the back of the grill, and so it blew across there, and it made the, the wood blow kind of hotter. It certainly was very basic and rudimentary, and I found a little old piece of steel, and I took it, and I heated it up little tiny bits at a time in there, because it really was not as good of or hot of a fire as I should have had. Um, I held it with a pair of pliers, and I, on the rock, made my first S-hook. Beat it in, I still have it down in the blacksmith shop down there. It's an okay shape, but it's not very nice work. But I still keep it around because I remember where I started from. And as time went on, I worked a little harder, got some more tools, figured out what I had. Eventually I, I had a railroad track instead of an anvil because I couldn't get an anvil for a while. Then finally I got a nice big anvil uh, and I got a forge. I built another one or two different forges before I ended up getting a, a forge that was like actually made to be a forge. And I got coal eventually which burns way hotter than wood. I kept adding to those, and it's really important, if you're going to do something like that, it's important to have the right tools, all right? The right tools uh, used well will work well, all right? The right tools used correctly. That gives you something interesting. So my first tools were not that great. A rock and pieces of wood and a furnace blower. It's worked, but it didn't work as well as it should. But as I got the right tools and honed in on what I needed, it worked better. 
So we've been talking about the Bible, and this is what's very important to know. That the Bible is the correct tool for many things. It is the correct tool for lots of things. Anything from leadership, to marriage, to work, to love, to family. Anything that you run across in life, education is in there, all sorts of things. Anything you run across in life, the Bible is one of the correct tools to help you through that. So we've wanted to give you kind of a, an overview of this whole thing. What's in the Bible? What uh, people spend their whole entire lives and they can learn and study and get a lot out of the Bible and continue. You can study till you're 100 and you, you wouldn't get everything that was in the Bible. All right? It's written in such a way that there is depth in every single connecting book back and forth and through the ages and it gives you a lot of pictures that work really good with your life no matter where you are. All right? But it also gives you those little snippets of advice, such as a place like Proverbs, where they give you short little snippets that work well for your life as well. All right? So there's big picture things, there's little picture things. It's the perfect thing to fill your life with. So today, in most education and in the world, they don't value the Bible. They think it's some old book that doesn't give you anything in life. All right. Even though there are more historical and textual uh, evidences than any other ancient book, and there are more ancient manuscripts from the Bible than any other uh, book in all of antiquity. If you look at a book like Homer's Iliad or, or Odyssey, you've heard of the Iliad or the Odyssey, right? That book, no one says it wasn't really written. And everybody uses it and says, it's great to be able to get some historical data out of, and we, we learn a lot from it, and on and on they go. But when they get to the Bible, they say, well, that's probably written by a bunch of people, it doesn't really matter. And how can we trust that it's authentic? Well, the answer is that there's less than 100 original manuscripts for the Iliad and the Odyssey. But the Bible, there are thousands and thousands of original manuscripts of all different directions they've come from, put together. They Each one of them shows that the Bible has been passed down uh, in an exact science. It's been passed down and kept from generation to generation. And they even found things like you learned about the Dead Sea Scrolls. Okay, and those were ones that were sealed up in a jar. They were different texts that were sealed up in a jar for thousands of years. They cracked open that jar and read them all, and they're exactly what's written down on the things we've been passing along and copying from uh, for generations and generations and generations. All right. So this Bible is very, very good for many things, and so we wanted to give you some evidence of that. We talked about the texts. We talked about science. And 
medical technology. We talked about things like the uh, water cycle and learning to wash your hands. It took mankind a long time in the medical facility to figure out to wash your hands because that's where germ came from. And yet, it had been in the Bible for a long time. It took, it took mankind a long time to figure out how the water cycled into the clouds and out of the clouds, back into the rivers, flowed in the ocean. It, it took mankind most of its history to figure that out and write it down, and yet it was in the Bible. Okay? It is accurately depicted in the Bible. So we're trying to show you that there are more evidences in the Bible and for the Bible's accuracy than any other book in all of history. It is the most accurate book. It is not, uh, it does not disagree with science anywhere. There are people who disagree with the Bible who will say the Bible doesn't agree with science, but that's because they don't know the Bible. They've never read the Bible. So we're trying to arm you guys to say, if you read the Bible and make it an, an integral part of your life, you will learn more, know more, and do better than most other people in the world. All right? You will learn about not only science and all sorts of different things, but you will, and history and things, but you will learn about God, and that's the most important piece of it. So have value for it. Now, to wrap this up, I wanted to talk a little bit about a couple different people uh, that had value for the Bible. People that you may have heard of, all right? And throughout time, people have had the Bible and have had a, an interesting perspective on it. Many of the big names you've heard have had a different perspective on the Bible than you might think. Now, I'm not saying these people are all perfect, or that you would even necessarily want to model your life after them, but I am saying they were often great in their field, very intelligent, world leaders and or uh, leaders in their field, and they believed that the Bible was true. And so if the brightest and the best have all come to that conclusion, maybe it's something you should think about. All right? Now, one of the greatest world leaders that has ever come on the scene in modern times is a man named Napoleon. Everybody heard of Napoleon? Let me tell you a little about Napoleon. Uh, does anybody know the country that he was... Famous for Napoleon Bonaparte was his name. Where he was in France, okay, around the time of the French Revolution, and Napoleon was an amazing leader. In fact, today in most military schools, they still train and watch and look for for leadership courses on how to fight wars. They still use Napoleon's tactics. Because he was so incredible. He was an amazing leader. He was a person who, although I'm not saying I always agreed with everything he said and did, he, was, he had an amazing ability to capture people and get them to follow him. 
So he took over essentially, now there's all kinds of parts of places, and he started around the turn of the uh, 19th century, so right about 1800, he began to be a strong influence in France. And he took, kind of put together an army, and his army grew and grew and grew. And in about five years from becoming a strong influence, he named himself the Emperor of France. There you go. I'm in charge because I have the biggest army. Okay? He took the French army, which is probably the only time in all of history that the French army did any great conquering. Okay? He took the French army and marched through most of Europe and just took it. Just take it over. All right? Because he was an amazing tactician. He took and went up and over the... Um, Oh, I can't think of it. It's not the Andes Mountains. It is the Andes Mountains. No, it's not. Can't think of the word of the mountains, anyways. Marched up and over the mountains, and it was actually an amazing defeat uh, that he did on the other side of the mountains because they never thought he could make it through. All right? Um, he was an incredible leader. And eventually, they banished him, got him out of power, and banished him and put him on an island. And he escaped from the island. Meanwhile, while he was on the island, back in France, they put the rightful king back on the throne. The one that Napoleon said, you just leave. So they took that king in hiding. Well, while they put Napoleon on an island to hide, or to said, you'd never come back, they put this rightful French king back on the throne. Well, Napoleon escaped from the island and came back to the mainland. And so that king sent his own army and said, go back and get that guy, Napoleon. So Napoleon rode up by himself to meet the army. Not a single other person with him. Rode up on horseback, met this huge regiment of soldiers full of guns in their hands and said, if you'd like to, you now have the chance to shoot your emperor. Be my guest. And they all watched him and they watched each other and all of a sudden, somebody shouts out, long live the emperor, Napoleon. They turned against the king. He took the entire army that they set to kill him, led it back, and took over the, the throne again. Just an incredible series of events, because that's the kind of guy he was. Considered one of the greatest military minds to live. All right? And he put himself up pretty highly amongst them. But this is one thing that he said. To give you... A little perspective, even though I'm not saying he was always the greatest, this is what Napoleon said about the Bible. The Bible is no mere book, but a living creature with a power that conquers all that oppose it. I never omit to read it, and every day with new pleasure. He went on further to write, I know men, and he was a great leader of people, I know men. And I tell you that Jesus Christ is no mere man. 
Between him and every other person in the world, there is no possible term of comparison. Alexander the Great, right? Caesar, Charlemagne, all great emperors, and I, okay, Napoleon, have founded empires. But on what did we rest the creations of our genius? Well, how do you get how do you get the empire? How do you defeat people? With an army, right? Come in and wipe them out. That's what he did. He said, with force. But Jesus Christ founded his empire upon love. And at this hour, millions of men would die for him. So even Napoleon, as great of a leader as he was, understood that there was something very different about the Bible and about Christ. All right? Again, not saying Napoleon was a saint. I'm not saying anything like that, but I am saying for a man of great stature to understand that the Bible has more, all right, he found it a, a very amazing book. So, on we go and go to our country. Our country at the same time had just gone through a great revolution, all right? And our country started out with George Washington as our first president. I hope you've all heard of him. Right? And George Washington had this to say about the Bible. It is impossible to rightly govern the world without God or the Bible. It is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, to obey His will, to be grateful for His benefits, and humbly implore for His protection and favor, Direct my thoughts and works, words and work. Wash away my sins in the immaculate blood of the Lamb and purge my heart by thy Holy Spirit. Daily frame me more and more into the likeness of thy Son, Jesus Christ. If you say he didn't believe in God, then I'm guessing you're not listening. All right? He believed in the Bible and its imperative need to be able to, to govern a country. And as our country gets further and further away from using the Bible as its standard, we get more and more messed up. And that's just the truth. If we get further away from God, then we have more and more issues as a country. The closer we are to God, the stronger we will be. But our country has lived through ages and ages of leaders who have strongly believed in the Bible. There were many more of them. Lincoln, of course, well, first Thomas Jefferson, he quote, he did what? Who knows what he did? I hope somebody knows. Thomas Jefferson. He wrote something very important. Declaration of Independence, okay. <laughs> Declaration of Independence, Thomas Jefferson. I have always said and will always say that studious perusal of the sacred volume, that is the Bible, will make us better citizens, better fathers, and better husbands. Follow the Bible, he says. It will just do you better. Even if you say you don't even believe in God, if you were to follow the Bible, which will lead you to God eventually, but even if you just said, no, I don't, I'm just going to follow the principles of the Bible, your life will be better, he said. Your life will be better. An interesting thing also, way back when, even 
Christopher Columbus. What did he do? I hope you know this. Sailed the ocean blue, 1492, and what did he find? America, okay. It was the Lord who put it into my mind. I could feel his hand upon me. There's no question the inspiration of finding America was from the Holy Spirit because he comforted me with rays of marvelous illumination from the Holy Scriptures. The, all of the greatest people that we have ever learned about, many of them have put God into their lives and put the Bible into their lives very deeply. There is no mistake that most of those greatest leaders who are timeless and the greatest people that accomplished things were because they followed God closely. All right? They found it very valuable. So we're trying to get this point across to you that much of what is in the Bible can be used in your life and throughout your life. It is a valuable thing. Abraham Lincoln used the Bible often. And many of our presidents believe strongly in the Bible all the way up through. As of late, it's been a little sketchier. And we've seen things struggle in our country. If we and you implement this in your life, and daily put time into the Bible, you will find that amazing things will begin to be in your life. But you have to put time into it. You have to put time to get there. So, just to give you a little bit, I'm gonna, I'm gonna name off some scientists who believed in God and the Bible. Sir Isaac Newton, okay? Founder of the laws of thermodynamics. Samuel Morse, you ever heard of Morse code? That's him, he made the telegraph. Invented the telegraph. Louis Pasteur. Pasteurizing milk products, all right? And along with other things, penicillin and other things. Michael Faraday, for those of you who have ever will ever learn about electricity, okay? The farad is uh, a unit of measurement of capacitance named after Michael Faraday. Strong believer in Christ, and he did many, many things. Also, Maxwell, equations on electricity and other things, believed in God. Boyle, you heard of Boyle's Law, where it is, if you've been in chemistry before, okay, or physics, they might cover Boyle's Law, and they talk about the relationship of pressure, temperature, and volume. Joseph Henry also has something named after him, the unit of inductance in electricity, the Henry. Isn't that clever? Right. <laughs> also, how about the joule? Have you ever heard of measuring energy in joules? The measure of heat. James Joule believed in God, believed in the Bible. And he invented many, many things with, uh, or founded many things on thermodynamics. Ever heard of Leonardo da Vinci? I hope so, at this point. Health, medicine, physics, flying machines. He had all kinds of crazy things that he invented way back when. Blaise Pascal was one of the most brilliant mathematicians. And if you get into higher level math, you will learn about even a little bit medium level math, you'll learn about Pascal's triangle and all sorts of different things that Pascal founded. All right, a brilliant man. You ever get into genetics? A man named Mendel. 
He did a Mendelian cross and he talked about crossing different types of chrysanthemums, I think they were. Uh, and he, yeah, he, he was a strong believer in Christ and he used things to track genetics of, I think it was red and yellow or something, chrysanthemums or different colors. Purple and white. Purple and white chrysanthemums. There you go. All right. So there are many, many people, Galileo and astronomy and many more that have followed Christ and have been the greatest. Without those people, we would not have science today. So what I'm saying to you is look to God's word and use it in your life for many things. It will not fail you. Now to finish up, we're going to go to Psalm 119. Because we need to read God's word because Psalm 119 is the longest psalm in the Bible. We are not going to read all of it. It is also the longest book in the Bible. And Psalm 119 is all about the Bible itself. Right? Written about God's Word. And it uses many different things. It uses the word precepts. It uses the word testimonies. It uses the word ways and laws and commandments and statutes. It uses all those things to say, this is what God told us to do. Those, all those words are meant to say, follow the law of God. Follow the law of God. This is the law of God. All right. So we're going to read a few verses here and pick up a few things. What do you get when you read the law of God? Very first verse. Read that, please. Blessed are the un... Defiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. All right. Walk in the law of the Lord and you get to be blessed. What does blessed mean? Not too many people say, have a blessed day. <laughs> you could if you wanted to. But not too many people say that anymore. It's kind of an older word. Uh, but essentially, you could translate that most often to the word happy. So those who walk in the law of God get to be happy for many reasons. Their life is more satisfying. Their life has more meaning. Their life is not filled with bad things if they've listened to what God's word said because they're making better choices. They have better advice earlier on, and they know what the pathway is, and so they're following it and getting something good out of it. All right, verse number two, please. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. All right. Happy when you're seeking God with your whole heart. Verse number three. Following God's commandments. Verse 4. Thou hast commanded us to keep thy prospects diligently. Alright. Now let's we want to 
follow what God has said. And God says, you do this, and I will bring blessing to you. I will bring happiness in your life. I will help you when you even have hardships get through those hardships. That's what happiness is often about. All right? Seeking after that, the, the blessedness through, through following God's will, through his laws, through his precepts, through his testimonies, it will help us. All right. Now, let's read verse number, where did we leave off? Five, right? Five through verse number 16. And then we'll talk about that. And I would not be put to shame when I consider all your commands. I will praise thee with uprightness of heart when I shall learn thy righteous judgment. Oh, keep thy statutes so far safely and heartily. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way, taking heed there, thereto according to thy word. If my whole heart have I softened, but let me not wander from thy commandments. My word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. With my lips have I declared all judgments of thy mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of the testimonies as much as in all riches. I will medi meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy will. I will delight myself in thy statutes. All right, so if you spend time in God's Word, if you spend time learning God's Word, memorizing verses, reading verses every day, I don't care if you read two verses, it's better than nothing. But if you put those in your mind and if you memorize ten verses, if that's all you can do, if you memorize just 10 verses, that will bring you more blessing, more happiness in your life, more direction, more clarity, more willingness to see broadly. All of the greatest scientists that lived, when they got enough clarity, understood that God was in control. When they understood that, God opened up things to them beyond. When they started to seek in God's word things, God began to open up ideas to them for whatever they discovered, whether they discovered America or uh, how electrical current runs through a capacitor. Whatever it is, God can give brightness to your path through his word. It is the right tool to use. And the more you use it, the more honed you get in with using it, the better off your life will be. It will bring you a much less heartache in your life. If you choose not to, you will have harder times and you will struggle longer if you choose not to dig into the Word. If you choose to dig into the Word and learn, then you will have more and deeper thoughts even. All right. So this is why in this church, we find it very important for, we have a Bible study. Every week, we have a Bible study. And we say, come on out and learn a little more depth. Come on out and learn a little bit more. It is for your benefit that you do those things, that you get depth in your life.
through the Bible. You will have blessings for it. And not only that, spend time in it personally. Many of those great leaders, great scientists, great people in their field spent time in it. And look at what they did. Their names are still left behind and noticed and recognized as outstanding in their field. And really, they started by a strong belief in God. They started and God said, let me show you something. Let me give you a little clarity on this. Let me walk you through this. All right? So with clarity in your life, you oftentimes can think of it a different way. It will bring you riches in your life. And if you spend that time, you will have a cleansed heart, which means no guilty conscience. And how much does a guilty conscience bother you? Constantly. A guilty conscience can only be cleansed by God. And a guilty conscience is one of the most, the things that drag people down the most throughout their whole life. That is a struggle. But if you go to the Word, He brings cleansing, He brings, come to me, be forgiven, do those things, and then you're free to rise above and start to do new things. The second thing is, it brings riches. And riches beyond money when you understand that God's word is of greater value. God's word is of greater value than any riches you can gain in this world. God may or may not give you physical gold, riches, money, houses, lands in this world. But if you understand and spend time in God's word, you have the exact same ability as anybody else to be able to stick your head in there and learn now. If you want a harder walk, do it without the Bible. Do it without God. If you want a happier walk, one where you're cleansed, one where you have understand something in a deeper way, then follow God. And this is why we are trying to help you to see that the Bible has a lot of interest in it, and it's got a lot of uh, things that have been verified, and it is an accurate book, and it has been believed by many, many, many great minds throughout the history. Take time to use it in your life as well. Thank you very much.